patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing, like, I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate, I hate just like throwing up like any old cymbals and snare drum and whatever, um, building a kit and then going to listen to the song and go like, oh, well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. When you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer, is getting sad. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5 you break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do threes in each hand or whatever. But it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases you Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Rich here. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 24. This has been a crazy week. I think I start most of my podcasts by saying, this has been a crazy week. Um, so I guess it's no different than any other week. This week, however, was uh, I was kind of inspired this week to get back down to the studio and do some filming. I've been doing so much writing and editing and practicing on pads recently, um, and I felt like I wanted to change it up. So I uh, I shot a, a handful of videos in the last couple days and have been posting those on Instagram and Facebook, and there's been quite a quite an explosion of reaction to a couple of the videos. So... I try to um, make sure that I reply to everyone's comments and, um, you know, make sure I'm checking checking all the places where where things are so I'm able to communicate with everybody that has uh, responded to something in some way. And man, it took hours today. I was sitting responding to, to people on a, on a particular video. Um, so thank you all. That's very humbling, and I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for your support. And it's uh, most of these people are not even in the United States. It's it's crazy when a post kind of gets shared by someone, and it you never know where it's going to end up. So thank you so much to all drummers around the world for your interest and support in what I'm doing. There are a bunch of us out there, and and I am so inspired by so many of you. Each week, each day, I I see videos, and and, uh, I'm just blown away by the talent and the level of dedication that so many drummers are are showing in uh, in the way that they're sharing what they're doing on social media. So it's a pretty awesome time to live in, and I think we need to appreciate and respect how we use uh, social media 
in a way that inspires and motivates others to uh, find the best in themselves. So there you go. I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to be a part of all of it. So I decided that this week I'm just going to jump right into the new book, the primary series, and go through the entire first section with everybody. So um, if you have the book, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. And if you don't have the book, you're just going to have to imagine what I'm talking about or get the book and you can follow along. Obviously, this podcast will be up forever, so um, if you wanted to order the book and then listen to the podcast again, you could practice the exercises with the book. Now, here's the deal. The, the, the thing with the drum mantra exercises, uh, the book one is the foundational series, book two is the primary series. These books are very different than other books that you may get. Um, they are not about playing grooves. They're not about learning styles of music. Um, they aren't about learning how to play fills or anything like that. It's it's really uh, a system of exercises that help develop a deeper sense of time, coordination, rhythm, rhythmic awareness, uh, accent permutations, beat displacements, and uh, polymetric relationships, uh, which kind of go into the the uh, category of coordination. So it's it's always it's always kind of funny when I I think man I need to post something from one of the books, but then I think the books uh, like this this it would it would kind of be a long video because the point of these exercises is to play repetitive patterns for a very long amount of time. The reason for that is what we're doing is we're developing muscle memory. And the best way to develop muscle memory is to play consistently with a metronome and play for long enough periods of time that the muscles start to really truly understand what's going on physically in the body with the coordination. Once the muscle memory starts to engage and and it doesn't happen overnight, it takes some time, but repetitions is the name of the game. Once that muscle memory starts to engage and kick in, then your mind becomes free to observe what it is that your body is doing. And I know that might sound a little bit crazy, but here's the deal. Once you start playing a pattern that is, uh, you know, somewhat complex, like for instance, the first two exercises in the primary series book are a great example of, uh, actually the first four exercises in the primary series are great examples of being able to overcome the coordination and the muscle memory so you can then start to observe what is happening from the vantage point of an analytical mind. Uh, Now, I'm saying using an analytical mind, but that is for the practice room. All of this stuff is for the practice room. This is like, I don't know, it's kind of like weight training, I guess. Um, I, I, I don't know how to compare. It's like it's like batting practice, maybe. So you're, you know, you're hitting a thousand baseballs every day in batting practice if you're serious, I guess, or hitting a thousand golf balls or whatever. 
But when it's time for the game, you don't get a thousand pitches. You get, you know, maybe only three if you strike out. But you're playing the game. It's totally different than what you're doing in the batting in the batting cage. You're experimenting with your swing. You're experimenting with the angle, with the speed, with the weight of the bat, with so many different things. But you're building muscle memory in the batting cage on a driving range. Any physical activity that you practice requires a ton of pre pre time, like uh, you know shooting free throws. You're going to shoot a thousand free throws a day, but you're not going to shoot that many in a game. You're going to do all those in the in the practice session, so you are ready when it's time to perform. And when it's time to perform, you are so comfortable with what you've been practicing that you don't have to engage your mind. You don't have to be analytical. All that stuff needs to happen in the practice room, though. Very dedicated focus, very in, uh, very aware mind, very aware perception. Because you will find, especially in these first couple exercises in the primary series, you will find that if you're not careful what you think you're playing will sound different than what it actually is. Um, to give you an exact example, it's in three, you're in 3-4 three, time and you're playing a dotted eighth note in the bass drum and you're accenting downbeats on the snare drum. Here's what that would sound like. Now, in exercise two, you're going to move the accent to the E, to the second note of the 16th note subdivision. Um, So I will count you in, and you will now hear that pattern. Here it is. And I'm willing to bet, if you're like every other human that has ever experienced this, that the second, that the first pattern sounds like it's in 3-4. The second pattern starts to sound like it's in 12-8. And the reason is, this is an interesting phenomenon that I love, I love to experience and talk about. And this is something that I don't want you to just intellectualize. I want you to sit down and practice it. You've got to do these things for real on pads or on a drum set or or whatever but you've got to move your body on the instrument to to really understand what this is all about but here's what's happening an accent an accent and note we are so conditioned to think of the accents as being mainly on downbeats the second place that we see the accents the most would be on the ands that's a pretty natural place to hear hear a note. The third place that we would hear it is on the uhs, the last of the four 16th note subdivisions. And that's because that note leads into the downbeat. So we're pretty cool with hearing something uh, uh, stand out on the uh of a beat. The most difficult 
of the four sixteenth note subdivisions is the E, the second sixteenth note. That seems to throw everybody a lot. Um, the E is not performed so much unless you are playing with musicians who understand how to use it and and are very confident in it. It can cause a lot of crazy issues um, if people do not understand subdivisions. And this is just talking about 16th notes. I mean, we can get very complex. Uh, later in the in the primary series, we go into five-note groupings. And you can shift in that. You can shift your mind into hearing things in 5-4 with accents every 5-16th notes. And then you can also shift your mind to hearing those every 5-16th notes as the downbeat pulse with five subdivisions in between each. So now all of a sudden you're playing... Uh, what I would call 20th notes or quintuplets between each quarter note. But we'll get to that later. So here is example one again, the 3-4 example with the dotted note on the bass drum with accents on the downbeat. And I want you to just really recognize that it is indeed in 3-4 time. Here it is again. Okay, now we're going to listen to exercise two with the accent being moved over to the E. Now you're going to notice the phenomena of the accent landing on the last hit of the bass drum note in each measure. One E and a two E and a three E and a. That third beat three E, the E of beat three with the bass drum will convince your mind, if you're just listening, that that is actually beat four. There are four bass drum notes. If you're playing a dotted eighth bass drum in a measure of 3-4, there are four evenly spaced bass drum notes. So this starts to um, introduce a superimposed pulse. We're in 3-4, but there's also an evenly spaced note value happening in the 3-4, and there happens to be four of them. So depending on where we move the accent it can really bring out the focus of the secondary superimposed pulse, which is the bass drum. So when we move that accent to the E, and it lands together with the bass drum on the last hit of the bass drum, the fourth bass drum hit, your mind wants to start hearing it in 12-8. Here's that example again. Uh, you'll hear the count in and then the accents on the E. Here it is. Now, just for fun to get our bearings, let's listen to it again with the quarter note click happening the entire time. Okay, so this is all a mental thing right now, and... Like I said before, I really want you to do it. I really want you to get on there and do it. Um, let's go ahead and get into the book. Let me grab mine. 
so funny. I have a thousand copies of this book right now, and I keep opening them to use them in the studio, and then I carry them to somewhere else so I can uh, just do some study with it, and then they end up in my house or something. So I found a copy, brand new, fresh copy. Okay, so let's just go straight in to Primary Series 1A. This is on page 27. The first 26 pages of the book basically walk you through what the book is all about, how it works. I'll just read you the introduction. Welcome to Drum Mantra Book 2, the Primary Series. I have enjoyed writing and practicing this book so much. It has, without a doubt, changed the way I think and play. I am thrilled to be sharing it with you. There are several ways to go deeper with your practice in this book, depending on how you choose to place your awareness. Whether the intention of your practice is to focus on endurance, accuracy, sticking, coordination, or time perception, you will gain essential benefits each time you work through an exercise. The key words here are focus, awareness, and intention. These are the disciplines that will carry you to the next level of insight, regardless of your limb coordination or the fanciness of your sticking. When you focus on the moment at hand, you withdraw from external distraction. As such, you will be more connected to what is happening at all times during your practice. When you are aware of what is happening in each moment, you will respond gracefully and appropriately. When your intention is clear, you can dedicate your mind and body to the task at hand, allowing you to channel your energy efficiently. These disciplines apply to more than just practicing exercises from a method book. They are qualities that will benefit your overall musical experience, whether it be improving on a drum exercise, having a fantastic performance with your band, or creating a perfect part for a record. So here you are, book in hand, ready to begin the next step on your musical journey. The exercises in this book are chronological and comprehensive, giving you full access to the unswept corners of your ability. That's a, uh, I don't know, that kind of, to me, that's a little philosophical for a drum book, and I think it, it's appropriate, though, for these exercises. It's a very, it's a very meditative experience here with these, with these exercises, and it will change your playing from a whole different perspective than what you're used to, I'm pretty sure. So let's go to page 27, and we're going to look at these exercises. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 exercises on page 27. Each is one measure long. They're all 3-4 time. Uh, the bass drum plays dotted eighth notes the entire time for the entire page. Or you can play the hi-hat dotted eighth notes the entire time for the entire page. So right foot or left foot does that that function. The accent patterns go as follows. The downbeats, 1A, downbeats. 1B, the E's. 1C, the ands. 1D, the uhs. 1E, all the eighth notes are accented. One and two and three and one and two and three and one F. The accents are the E's and the U's. One E and a two E and a three E and a. One G. The accents are beats two and beats three. So it starts to get you a, a feeling of a backbeat in a in a three four such situation. One H. Dotted notes with the feet and dotted notes with the hands. One eye, 
dotted notes moved over by one sixteenth note. So the first one starts on the E. And 1J, the tenth exercise on this page, dotted notes, but the first accent starts on the and, so you move it over by one sixteenth note again. The way that this page is performed, now, I mentioned playing an extended amount of times on an exercise. That's all well and good, but I also think it's very important to keep your place and keep track of where you are. Otherwise, you can zone out, and a big part of music is being able to concentrate. In fact, I would say that the difference between a highly skilled professional and someone who's still kind of learning and in the amateur stages, the biggest difference between those two people is the ability to concentrate. I really think that's true. Um, the ability to stay focused is is the difference between an amateur player and a professional in any in any discipline. I mean, you know, the best athletes are the people who can focus completely for the longest amount of time. They can stay completely engaged. And it's the same thing with, with music. I mean, you, we're tr you're training yourself to stay engaged. And you're training yourself to develop muscle memory. And you're training yourself to be creative and respond in a musical way. And you're training yourself to be relaxed. And you're training yourself to be making correct musical decisions at all moments. There's so much involved. So, you can practice these exercises on their own, but the play-along that goes with this page will have you play each measure eight times, and then you go to the next. 1A, eight times. 1B, eight times. 1C, eight times, etc. So the entire page takes two and a half minutes to perform. The play-along is uh, just a musical experience that kind of gives hints at where you should be in the book, in the in, in the exercise, but it also just kind of gives you a soundscape to, to uh, hear and feel as you're going through these exercises. So I'm going to play the uh, play-along, and if you have the book, you can join in, and it's eight times per, per measure. So if you don't have the book, I just told you the entire layout of that first page. Dotted notes in the bass drum the entire time. Accents move across the 16th note field. Downbeats, E's, ands, us, all the 8th notes, all the E's and us, beat 2 and 3, dotted 8ths, dotted 8ths moved over by a 16th, dotted 8ths moved over by another 16th. Okay, here we go. Play along, primary series 1A, page 27, 8 times each.
Okay, there you go. The first page of the primary series book, Exercises 1A through 1J. That's from Section 1. There are three pages of exercises in Section 1. There are 11 sections in the book. It gets hardcore, I'm telling you. It gets hardcore real quick. Um, the first page is in 3-4. The, the first three pages of exercises are in 3-4. And I'm assuming you probably, if you did the exercise just now, you were probably doing the right-left, right-left sticking. Well, guess what? There are a couple different stickings to do as well. Left-right-left-right. Uh, Right-right-left-left. Left-left-right-right. And if you're adventurous, you can try the paradiddle sticking, which is fine up until the last three exercises when you're doing the dotted notes. It can kind of become a little bit tedious, and I think that it becomes a little intellectual at that point. So, um, you know, do it do it if you'd like, if you like a challenge or if you've done some drumline stuff and are used to moving accents around uh, paradiddle stickings then that's great, but this isn't necessarily a book that's supposed to make things hard for hard's sake. I want it to remain practical. Doubles are practical. Uh, A paradiddle, of course, is practical, but not when you're dealing with groupings of threes. Um, But if you want to tackle that challenge, go ahead. There are some other stickings in the book that apply to the three, four sections. When you're doing the dotted notes, Uh, You could do accents on the dots and the unaccented notes with uh, accents with one hand and unaccented notes with the other hand. So it would be like right, left, left, right, left, left, right, left, left. Or you could switch hands. Left, right, right, left, right, right, left, right, right. So there are, what, that's like six stickings, not including the paradiddle, that you can uh, venture through just on that page alone. And then also there are choices of how to um, embellish the accent with different articulations, such as flams or doubles. So suddenly you see that the, uh, the book gets very deep very quick, just on page one. Um, we didn't even do the left foot. The hi-hat plays the dotted notes. And then, of course, because there are four notes per measure with the foot, you can go back and forth, bass drum, hi-hat, bass drum, hi-hat. You could do bass drum, bass drum, hi-hat, hi-hat. You could do whatever you want with the combinations between the feet. So, you know, now your own uh, imagination and creativity take over, and you start to dig into not only playing a polymetric relationship, but doing it with uh, the interesting stickings and interesting uh, foot patterns and suddenly an hour goes by because you're enjoying and having so much fun working on these exercises that you know most people don't think about going as deep into this particular rhythmic relationship and uh, I I think it's a, a great thing to do and I think it's very healthy for your drumming Overall, your technique, everything is going to improve vastly from doing these exercises. Okay, well, um, I'm not going to go to the next two play-alongs because what they are are the uh, permutations, the beat displacements of the dotted note with the foot. Um, Page two in the book, the bass drum dotted note starts on the E, 
And then page three of the book, the dotted note starts on the and. And then we're into the rhythmic melodies section of the book. Now this part of the book, this is one of my favorite parts of the book. And I'm going to tell a little story about how, how this came about. The rhythmic melody section also exists in the foundational series book. Um, I had released the foundational series, and I found some issues with it, so I I pulled it from the shelves, and I released a second edition and replaced everyone's books that I knew of that bought them with a second edition. And then it just things just weren't feeling quite right still, and... Uh, still found some some little issues in the second edition. So, in in that period of time, I had discovered that drum education master guru Pete Magadini had moved to Chicago around this time, and uh, it's about a year and a half ago. And I've known who Pete is for most of my adult life. I mean, when I was in college, a student came to North Texas. Uh, his name was Rich Matchalot, and he was a student of Pete's from, uh, he came from Canada. I think he came from, uh, I don't want to mess this up because I don't, I don't know Canada that well. I mean, as far as where they came from. I'm going to say, I think it was Vancouver. I think, I think. But um, anyway, I've known who Pete is through one of his kind of star students when I was at North Texas. And, uh, of course, 20-something years later, all of a sudden I realized I discovered that Pete had moved to Chicago. So I got in touch right away, uh, hooked up a lesson, went to my first lesson, was blown away, went home, practiced 30 hours on the material, uh, went back for my second lesson, went home, practiced another 25 hours, and then I had to call Pete and said, hey, man, I can't keep taking lessons right now because it's consuming my entire life. <laughs> and uh, I, I love Pete Magadini. He is an amazing human and a ridiculous drummer. Nothing but great things to say about him. But I was trying to finish my second my, my book, and I was doing, you know, I've got an online lesson thing and all this stuff. And I was just like, I need to, I need to practice my own material so I can shoot videos for it. And the work I did with Pete was, was very, uh, insightful for me. And just the way that he does his, uh, the, the exercises in, I think it's called polyrhythms for drum set. It just kind of put a, a light bulb on for me in how to, approach kind of a melodic concept within the structures of the uh, topic of the book. For him, it's a, a polyrhythm. So, you know, you're playing a quarter note pulse in the feet. You're playing a, a quarter note triplet or a half note triplet in one hand. And then you're using that triplet as a new main pulse to play rhythms with inside it. Um, if you know about Pete's stuff, then you completely understand what I'm talking about. If you have no idea what I just said, um, I would recommend starting with my books before you move on to Pete's books. His stuff is ridiculously intense, and it's it's insane. But 
the beauty that came out of those two lessons and that 50 hours of practice on his material in the course of six weeks is the rhythmic melody section of my book came into uh, being. And it, it has nothing to do with Pete's book except for my, my uh, just, I just fell in love with the depth and the organic nature of how he has his students practice the exercises. Because his exercises are designed in a way that you could do repetitions of them all day long, but he requires two repetitions of each and you move on, two repetitions of each and you move on. And because of that, there's a very organic flow to the to the rhythmic nature of things. And I really fell in love with that because most of the drum mantra material is designed to be, like I said in the beginning, to be played over and over and over and over and over to develop muscle memory, to develop awareness and um, you know everything I said in the beginning. So I, I was intrigued by the idea of having things change more often. So the rhythmic melody section found its way into the foundational series, and um, that's when the third edition was released. It includes rhythmic melodies, and the primary series includes rhythmic melodies. And basically what that is, uh, speaking for the primary series, is it is eight different melody lines for section one, four measures each in three, four time. And the melodies are combinations of the accent patterns that you played in the exercises from the chapter. So, for instance, the first line of melody would go like this. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. Two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. I'll do it again. Ready and go. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And so what you would do is you would you would play sixteenth notes on the snare drum or whatever your surface you want, but really a pad or snare. This isn't a, this isn't about playing the drum set necessarily in this moment. It's about playing a single surface with accents. So if we had 16th notes going on the snare drum, you would accent the melody line. Ready and go. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And of course it works on, on the desk as well with your fingers. Here it is again. Ready and go. One. I'm accenting everything with the right hand because it's eighth notes and I started my sticking with the right hand. And then underneath that is the foot, which is playing the dotted note from the chapter. I don't know if you can hear that, but that's how that goes. Um, so I will play the rhythmic melodies play along. There are eight exercises. And you will hear each one two times. This is just for uh, for purposes of the of the podcast. The play along, the actual play along for the rhythmic melody section is each melody is played four times. But I'm going to just do it twice today, so you can kind of hear it go by and then start looking at it because this is kind of the payoff for the section of, for the section one of the book. It's 
it's not something that's going to happen right away. Coordination-wise, it's tricky, especially when it gets down into the 16th note-oriented measures. Like, here's measure five. Here's exercise five. One, two, three. 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 Okay, so here's Rhythmic Melodies 1, exercises 1 through 8, each played two times. Sorry for that abrupt cutoff. I just wanted you to get an idea of how the rhythmic melodies section works. So again, um, once that feels comfortable and being able to play those fluidly, I'm sure you can imagine that your phrasing concepts are going to improve. Your over-the-barline rhythmic concepts might improve. Of course, your coordination will improve. Uh, your The thing is, the, the more... Placements and understanding you have of where accents are as far as shaping melodies, the more relaxed you'll be when it's time to express some kind of melodic idea, and you won't have to be so stressed out trying to make it come out of your body because you've already engaged in many different rhythmic configurations. So it's kind of in there. As long as you've developed the muscle memory, you will have rhythmic structure and rhythmic mel melodic and phrasing ideas inside of you ready to come out when the creative need arises. Now, of course, once again, right-hand lead, left-hand lead, double starting with the right, double starting with the left. It can, get, it can get crazy again with the stickings, so go ahead and experiment with that. I'm, I'm loving doing this particular one with doubles. I'm having so much fun with it. Um, because the E's and the U's happen on the second note of the doubles, and it's really 
really feels good to accent the second note of a double. It's important, especially if uh, when you're working on your long rolls, being able to accent the second note of the double really keeps those things even when it gets faster. Okay, so that's how the book works. We experience section one in its entirety, basically, um, all the way through the rhythmic melodies. There are six sections that include rhythmic melodies. There are 11 sections in the book. And six, the first six sections have rhythmic melodies attached to them. Um, the second section of the book is in 5-4. It's, it's hardcore, man, and girls, man and, man and women. It's intense. The third section feels like the first section, but it is different because now you're playing dotted notes, but it's in 4-4 four, four time, and each exercise is three measures long. So it's a totally different feel phrasing-wise. So the book continues to go back and forth between the dotted eighth note and the five-note grouping in different phrase lengths. So you can start to feel and sense phrase lengths that go beyond one measure resolution. Some of these require three measures of resolution. Some of them require five measures of resolution. And you'll find towards the end of the book, when you start combining the dotted note and the five note grouping, there's a 15 measures are required to play the entire exercise. So again, I'm telling you, it's a hardcore book. If this seems completely foreign to you. I highly recommend starting with the foundational series. There's some extremely challenging things in the foundational series as well, but everything is uh, duple based, so there's no polymeters happening yet. But it's important to really have a solid foundation before you move into the idea of polymeters, especially in the primary series, because there's no pulse in the actual time signature that you're in. All the pulses that you hear are secondary pulses, they're superimposed, played by the bass drum. So yeah, check that out. So I I would love to share this book with you. It's available on my website, richstitzelmusic.com. Um, if you don't have either of the books, you can buy them in a bundle and save, I think you can save 20% when you buy both books, um, foundational series and primary series, richstitzelmusic.com. Okay, I think I think we're good. Uh, I really want to let you know that I appreciate your support. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'd love to have you over there. Instagram.com slash Rich Stitzel Music. I'm also on Twitter as Rich Stitzel. Uh, my Facebook music page is Facebook.com slash Rich Stitzel Music. And uh, I'd love to have you in any of those places. If you have questions, feel free to always ask, write. I try to reply to every single thing that I get, no matter where it comes from, email or on posts or in direct messages or whatever. But um, it's all about building a community, and I'm so grateful that you've given your time to the Drum Mantra community. Until next week, take care, happy practicing, talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.